Welcome to our worship church, Westlake Village, for this Sunday, May 9th, 2021. Happy Mother's Day to all of you, particularly those of you who are moms and have had a good experience doing it, or you have had a mom, some of us have, and have had moms that we really dearly appreciate. We thank you so much for all that you have done for us moms to rear another generation of God's children. So moms and others, we are glad that you have decided to worship with us. We are worshiping on campus in our sanctuary for those who feel comfortable being out and about at this stage of the pandemic and of vaccinations. Our healthy Safe protocols are in place, and I'll remind you that if you want to join us for in-person worship, you need to be compliant, that's the word, <laughs> compliant to these requests. Now, wait a second. Some of you take offense that I'm focusing in on that, but are you compliant to the Ten Commandments? Are you compliant to allowing Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, do you often, on some occasions in a religious setting or perhaps in other settings, give over your power to um, something or someone for a better good? It's in that vein that I am using this word, and I recognize that it's difficult for some because this is a dreaded phrase. It's almost as if I'm asking you to eat liver or drink cod liver oil or, or something like that. Pew closed! What do you mean pew closed? Well, we understand that it's to your safety if you stay six feet from one another and that some of you have a tendency to um, have that be a challenge. So, by having every other pew closed, we have orchestrated an opportunity for you to be compliant without having to be seemingly compliant. You can choose wherever you want to be, except these places. Besides that, the choice is yours, right? Well, the choice is yours on all of these things. We're just asking that you follow what we've learned to be uh, health safety protocols. So if you, if you want to worship with us, we are glad to have you be here. We rejoice that we are able to be together. This is our second time inside for worship, and it is so good to be in the sacred space that we have called home. Some of us for uh, just a few years, some of us for 40 or more years have called this home, and it's, it's great to be back here, even if we're not sitting exactly where we have sat for 30 or 25 years. It's still good, and the promise is if we all do this well across our community or across our state or across our nation, if we all do this kind of stuff well, we will become more and more able to have uh, less restrictions on our movement and how we uh, 
interact with one another. And at some point, we're going to be able to sit wherever we want to sit again. And at some point, these masks are, are not going to be on if we're inside and within distance of one another. But for now, we're following these protocols. So, so please be agreeable and helpful for the good of the cause of one another if, if it doesn't seem to be necessary for yourself. Uh, Pre-registration, mask wearing, maintaining the six-foot distance, entering through the center doors and center aisle, exiting through the side aisles and the side doors, offering plates are there at the doors uh, that you can use as you're coming in and coming out. And that's where you'll find the communion elements on a communion Sunday. They'll be there at the door also for you to grab. And you are welcome to, you know, sing or to pray out loud if you just do it softly behind your mask. Right? Just don't be belting it out. Don't throw that mask off and get into the song like you uh, did uh, last year. But that day will come. That day will come too when we'll be able to do that. But if you want to sing along with whatever the choir is doing or with the hymn or using, uh, saying the Lord's Prayer verbally, uh, you're free to do that. Just keep your mask on and do it at a low volume. We have found that the online streaming of the service is a valuable, a very valuable way to keep us connected. It was very important to us before we could be together outside or inside, and it will remain important to a lot of our members or to those who have decided to be part of our faith community and are not able to be with us or are, are out of town. So we will continue to be doing our live stream worship even as we... Um, gather with more frequency uh, inside. So whether you are physically present with us or virtually present, we are connected by God's spirit into a community of faith, and we join with one another in worshiping this God. A quick reminder, today is the day that we're collecting pantry items uh, for manna, uh, come on back between 3 and 3.30 if you want to participate that, in that, and there'll be a drop-off for you in the parking lot. The altar flowers, which are starting to appear now, now that we're gathering inside, are um, things that you are welcome to uh, help underwrite. They cost $60 a week to do these flowers in the sanctuary. If that's an expense you would be willing to uh, cover and want to dedicate flowers in honor or in memory of somebody, please do that. We need a two-week lead time, I'm told, from the office. So call in and, and set up uh, the date of your choice. All right, then. Blessings upon all of you who have gathered virtually and are present with us in reality. God bless you all. Let us center our spirits and worship God. worship with a prayer or song of praise. Come, come, everybody worship, worship God always. Good morning. I want to repeat my happy Mother's Day as well to the mothers who are worshiping with us online and those of you who are here with us this morning. Um, today in worship, we're going to be looking at three, two to three short verses. But in those short verses, Jesus packs quite a punch. We could potentially skim over these two parables as they are in a series of phrases and parables. 
But today, we are going to list them out and look at the treasure at treasure and pearls a little more closely to see how God might be inviting us to grow in our relationship and grow closer to the kingdom of God as we continue to explore these kingdom parables. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Great God, from whom comes every good and perfect gift, grant us by your spirit a time of discovery and discernment that we may grow as Jesus' students, learning to become people who can distinguish all in this world that is of true worth and eternal significance. Amen. Good morning, children. Most of you, actually all of you are at home right now, so I'm going to talk directly to the camera to take a moment to be in conversation with you. Our Celebrate Wonder curriculum for this week talks about a woman named Tabitha. She lived in a community that uh, really needed support and help, and she made sure to take care of everyone, providing clothes and food for those that were in need, whether you were a widow who was displaced by the loss of your loved one, or if you were a child who needed something. She made sure that she was taking care of those that needed support and help. Tabitha became like a mother figure to her community, well-loved, well-liked, and someone who everyone knew that they could rely on. Tabitha reminds us that we have mothers all around us, those that gave birth to us more than likely, but also those who have stepped in to be like mothers to us, to offer us love, to offer us comfort, to offer us support and care. And for that, we are so thankful. We are so blessed to have people who come alongside us to help us grow, to help us learn, and to help us to become the people that we are meant to be. So as you take the day to say happy Mother's Day to your mo the moms in your life, remember those moms who might not get a happy Mother's Day unless you say it to them. Reach out to them and let them know how much you appreciate them and let them know that their love has impacted your life. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for yesterday and tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending people into our lives to help us grow, to help us learn. and to help us to become your disciples. In your name we pray. Amen. Surely the presence of the Lord
can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let us center ourselves and go to God in prayer. Holy God, we pray that you hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the dear hopes of our hearts. As we join with one another in prayer this morning, virtually or in person, we are in need of your touch made real in our lives. Remind us of your presence and of your power in our lives to give us strength, to give us courage, to help us heal, and to renew our lives. We live in the palm of your gracious hand. And so we begin this time of prayer with recognizing our willfulness, with confessing that there are times when we have been less than you would have wished us to be in the things that we have said or the things that we have done. How those have reflected more our shortcomings, our fallen nature, than the higher one that we have when we are clearly connected with you. And so we would offer words of confession to help us be cleansed by your spirit and put back on the right path. May your grace wash us clean, and may it strengthen our resolve to walk better in your love hereafter. We ask your help in our lives with the, with the many concerns of our daily lives, as well as the ongoing challenges from life in these pandemic times and these times of social stress. We would pray that you would help us to embrace the noble ideals of our country and the ethical imperatives of our faith. Guide us in these days ahead to be our best selves as citizens and as Christians to help us live authentically and consequentially as disciples of Christ Jesus. 
we think it should make a difference. We pray that you would help us to have it make a difference. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues. We pray for those with troubled relationships. We pray for those with uncertain employment. We pray for those who struggle with other dis-ease or discomfort. Lord, hear our prayers. This morning we think specifically of Linda Northrup and her husband Bill as they settle the challenges of their lives as Linda continues to heal from her cancer treatments. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For Kathy Drake and her husband Ken as they face the ongoing challenges of Kathy's cancer. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. To these two families, we add our healing prayers for Ernie Lauer's daughter, Jim Lawson's daughter, Alan Nelson and Cindy Price, who continue in their fight against their cancers. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Linda Keithley as she continues to heal from her bone break injuries and for her husband Don as he provides the needed emotional support to go along with her physical healing. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. For the family of Kathy Goodspeed's son-in-law, Carl Adams, who passed away this last week, and for the family of Kitty Saltol's sister-in-law, who passed away last week from COVID. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. For the daughter's neighbor who has had heart surgery this last week. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For all those who have contacted COVID and are battling the disease. And today we think specifically of John, a friend of Jack Rogers and his family. We pray that your healing spirit would be with him. We pray for those who are in the process of being vaccinated and for all those who are in places where the COVID vaccine is not readily available. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And again, for all the moms and the grandmas and the great-grandmas, for their love and their support, their inspiration and guidance, for us all. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of these people and others who we lift up privately now in our own thoughts. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that helps these folk know your support, your nurture, your healing power, the goodness 
of your presence. And this morning, Lord God, we pray for our church as it continues in its ministries through these times and ask your help in maintaining our effectiveness and our vitality through all the challenges that we face. May the good we do be pleasing in your sight. All of this we pray in your Son's holy name, joining in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 and 45. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Join me in a moment of prayer. Awesome, almighty God. You are more precious than silver and more costly than gold. Your love is more beautiful than diamonds. Help us to see the things that we should seek for and strive for so that we can be in closer relationship with you. Help us to recognize the treasures that you have set forth for us and the pearls that glimmer and gleam. Help us to recognize what is from you and what is of this world so that we might truly pursue the things that bring us closer to you and the life that you desire for us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I actually spent some time going... Well, what did the man who sought the pearl do? Do any of you know? If you read the next verse, it'll tell you. So let me read the next verse for you. It, is sa- it says, On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Can you imagine selling everything that you have for one pearl? I gotta admit it, Jesus has done it again for me. What are you talking about, Lord? At, at, at one point, it feels like, okay, well, this is easy. I can gloss over it. I can listen to it relatively quickly and go, yeah, 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 I get it. And then when I pause and listen to it, I go, no, I didn't get that at all. That was three to four sentences, and I am so confused. If you feel that way, it's okay. Because Jesus is confusing. And we could look at it and possibly gloss over it and go, okay, so I'm supposed to seek after something. And when I find it, I'm supposed to do everything I can to get it. But what exactly does that mean? And what does it mean to sell everything that I can? It's interesting because we don't listen with the ears of the people who originally heard Jesus talking, right? We did not grow up in... in um, Palestine and Israel in, in that time period, and we don't, don't have the same understandings as Jesus had and those that were listening to Jesus. In truth, as Jesus was speaking, there were times where people would like get their hackles up because they're like, wait, you're comparing me to a merchant? How dare you? In our society, we might not think that way, but in their society, it was something that was, was looked down upon. 
uh, as someone who was a little shady, who was a little devious in their transactions. They were looking to make the almighty dollar to see if they could buy something at a low value and sell it high, high, high and make the money and maybe take some, some things that people didn't really have the resources for in the process. So when people heard, so imagine a person, a merchant was looking for a pearl and when he found the one, he sold everything. They might have gotten stuck on the idea of who the merchant was and why Jesus is equating the kingdom of heaven to a merchant as opposed to what Jesus might be saying. But Jesus is always challenging us to take that next step, to push a little bit further, to get out of our comfort zone and to see what may happen. David Luce, who writes a blog about scripture and preaching that's entitled In the Meantime, says... The gospel of God's coming kingdom is threatening before it is comforting. And we're going to look into that threatening part a little bit and then look and see if we can find some comfort in it. As I think about the kingdom of heaven as someone who finds a treasure and goes and buys that land so that they can have the treasure, I wonder, who is this person? Why were they in the field to begin with? Were they just traveling through? Were they doing something completely acceptable? Were they not? Who knows? Did they tell the owner of the property that the treasure was there before agreeing on a price? And now he owns a field and a treasure. It seems like he could live off of that, of those two things. All right, but what does this really have to do with me? Or what does it really tell me about the kingdom of heaven? Where do I find myself? Where do we find ourselves in this one sentence? And what are we supposed to learn about it? The kingdom of heaven is like a person, a merchant, in search of fine pearls. They find one pearl of great value and sells everything for one thing. Does anyone else feel like you're in the middle of the Lord of the Rings? My precious. What is it about this pearl that is so tempting, so tantalizing to this merchant that they sell everything, their house, their properties, all of the other things that they've been buying and selling to get this one thing? What is it that is so significant? This makes no sense. What does this tell, really tell me about the kingdom of heaven? And where are we supposed to find ourselves in this story? What are we supposed to learn? I don't know about you, but their actions, both of them seem a little extreme. A little bit less for the person who finds the treasure as opposed to the person who finds the pearl. Because it's like they sold everything. And it, Okay, so I get... I get if you own property and you have a treasure, you can, as I said, you can probably live off of it. But if you sold everything and you have one pearl, how are you supposed to live without selling that pearl back off? What are you going to do? It, it is presupposed, it is, it is um, estimated that... Wow, that thought just popped out of my head. Um, it is thought that once he bought this pearl... He gave up the idea of being a merchant. His life was brand new. He was going to live in a new way. But again, this is two sentences. So we don't know what that new way was. So what can we learn? 
And why are we talking about pearls? I don't know about you, but pearls, well, well we can find them in stores what, relatively readily now. Back in Jesus' time, pearls were like the penultimate jewel. They were more precious than rubies. Nick's song this morning was perfect. They were more, more beautiful than diamonds. They were more precious than, than rubies. They were the top of the jewel standard, partly because of the fact that they were made out of, out of something that wasn't even kosher, right? Think about that. Oysters aren't kosher. And pearls are made because an irritant gets into the oyster, and the oyster does what it can to protect itself and creates this pearl. So these pearls are possibly talked about and heard of, but no one has probably seen it. No one has, has beyond their imagination, an idea of what this pearl would be like and how it might transform this person's life and what makes it so precious that they want to sell off everything else. Just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Pearls, as I said, were considered to be, be of great value. Um, they are jewels that the majority of the population hadn't seen. Okay, I covered my notes. I just had to check. Um, so the truth is, is that the merchant both seeks and finds, but he was seeking pearls, not the kingdom, right? He was seeking something tangible. Amy Jill Levine says that, that we need to remember that the this parable is not about the pearl and is not about the merchant, but it is about the efforts that he goes to in obtaining that pearl. What happens after he finds that pearl? He, this merchant both seeks and finds. He's looking for something. Like the disciples, and this is a quote from Levine, like the disciples, he invests all of his resources to obtain what he seeks. But unlike the disciples, he does not give to the poor or forsake his former life. Rather, he sells all that he has to purchase one pearl of great value. Nor does he end up with what he was initially seeking. He finds one pearl of great value, not lots of pearls. I think that that's important because of the fact that sometimes in our lives, when I look at both of these passages, I, I see some similarities and I see some differences. Both of these people find something that is not theirs, but they change their lives because of what they've found. They say, I need to do something different. I need to give some things up and I need to acquire this item that we have. One of them just stumbled upon the object. They stumbled upon their treasure and said, ooh, 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 this is good. Um, since I'm doing movie quotes, this reminds me of when, when Red goes in Shawshank Redemption. Who's a Shawshank Redemption fan? Okay, we got some in the house. When Red goes on a journey because his friend Andy tells him to go look for a treasure in a specific spot, in a field, under a tree, with a lava rock over it. Very specific, right? Um, so he goes on this journey. He knows what he's looking for. But... The person in the scripture it just happens to be in a field. They happen to find this treasure that is hidden, and they go, this is something that is really good. I need it for myself. And they do everything that they can to get it. 
The person who's looking for the pearl is looking for something. Doesn't know exactly what they're looking for, but they go, I need more of something. They're not satisfied with life the way it is at the moment. And they are looking for something more. They're looking for a change. And they don't end up getting more and more of what they want, but they find exactly what they need. And they go forth to seek it with passion and drive and energy. Now, some of us will say that this gentleman was possibly risky. Some might say he was wise. Some will say he was foolhardy. Others will say he was dedicated. He has gained a pearl of enormous value. And in gaining, he has not only fulfilled the desire that he did not know that he had, he has also changed his identity. He had been looking for fine pearls, but he buys only one. In finding the pearl of ultimate worth, the merchant stops being a merchant. Thus, he redefines himself, and we must see him anew as well. What is he? What do we make of his example? What does this former merchant do with a pearl? How do we locate ourselves in this parable? All good questions. Amy Jill Levine says that for Matthew, the two parables that we've been looking at today are about discipleship. Some people would say that, that this was the merchant's idea of going all in, of saying, I want this so much that I'm willing to sacrifice everything to make this happen. As disciples, are we willing to go all in in our commitment to God, in our commitment to faith, so that we can grow into who we are supposed to be and bring about that kingdom here on earth? Are we willing to remove ourselves from the realms in which we have constantly lived in, in seeking and finding of wanting more and more? Are we willing to break the cycle so that we can step out of it the cycle that we've been in entirely, and seek something new for God. So here's the quote from Levine that I tried to quote earlier off the top of my head. The kingdom is not the pearl. It is not the merchant. The kingdom is what comes after it is like. The kingdom is like a merchant who seeks pearls and who, upon finding what he was not expecting, the greatest of the great makes every effort to attain it. My question for all of us is, what are our treasures? What are our pearls? What are we seeking for? And are we willing to change everything for them? Are we willing to be open to how God is inviting us to live in the world as changed people, filled with God's grace, filled with God's knowing? So I I ask those questions, but I'll ask them again in a different way. When have you defined your ultimate treasures on your own terms, regardless of what others have said? What would you do to pursue it, or what have you done to pursue it? And what happened as a result? And then I have another question. This one I think is, is a little more challenging It says, are all personal definitions of ultimate value and ultimate treasure equally valid? Why or why not? 
Amy Jill Levine, um, in, in addition to teaching at seminary, she would go to the nearby prison and teach at the prison as well. And she actually had this amazing hybrid class where she had seminary students and prisoners studying this scripture side by side. And she asked that question of her students. She said, what is your ultimate treasure? What are you willing to go all in for? And the answers were varied. The answers ranged from a student who said, I recognize that I was in an abusive relationship and that I was not able to become the person who God was calling me to be because of the ways that that relationship was holding me back and diminishing my worth. So my all-in was valuing myself enough to say that God is calling me to pursue this degree. And while this is scary as all get out, I'm going to go and do this so that I can be who God has called me to be. One of the prisoners said, my all-in is freedom. I'm going to do everything I can to abide by the rules and to seek this thing that I recognize that I miss so dearly. Our all-ins can be different. We are all those people who have the opportunity to seek God most fully, to be our own self most profoundly, to be the person who God has called each and every one of us to be, to honor that nugget, that jewel within each of us that is our own God light shining through us in ways that continue to build the kingdom of heaven. So I ask you again, what is your treasure? What is your pearl? What is the thing that you need to seek most profoundly, that you need to look for most truly so that you can continue to build that kingdom of heaven? I told you earlier that David Luce said that the gospel, or the gospel of God's coming kingdom is threatening before it is comforting because it invites no half measures. That's how he ended the sentence, because it invites no half measures. And then he goes on to say, this, there's a second thing in these parables as well. He says, faith is about seeing, seeing something others do not see, seeing something that the world does not acknowledge and perhaps does not want you to see. And because of that sight persevering, acting differently, investing in the future at which others scoff. He goes on to say, faith, it turns out, is not about cognitive assent to doctrinal statements. I have a degree and I can't even say that statement. It's not about making sure that you have all the words right in the theological world. That's what that statement means. But it's about wholehearted embrace of a promise. Faith that is, faith that is, not about knowledge, but about trust. The kind of trust that leads you to do, act, and speak differently, as if you've been invited into a secret that not everyone knows. I see this in our midst every day every Sunday when we worship, when I talk to members of our church, there are so many within our community who 
Know what their treasure is. Their treasure is not some earthly thing. If you remember back to the Sermon on the Mount, it's not some earthly thing that will decay and rust, but it's a treasure of God's grace that lives within us in true and profound ways. It's those members of our church who are fighting cancer like Kathy Drake, who holds on secure to her faith and says, I know that God is with me through this difficult time and shines her life. It's people who combat depression and addiction because they realize that they have something that is more profound in their lives to live for, for their family, for their faith. It's our youth who in the midst of their confirmations vows say, I see that our church can be better than it is and I call us to welcome and receive people. We have those that are holding on to that pearl, the pearl of the kingdom, sinking and striving, saying, I'm all in in my faith so that I might know God more truly. I pray each and every one of us has a faith that says, Lord, I'm all in. This is not just a one day a week commitment, but something that allows me to grow into the person that you want, to me, want me to be and allows me to truly build the kingdom here on earth. Amen? You are invited to share of your resources via the instructions that you will see on the screen momentarily or as you leave physically this place by the doorways leading out. To support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. It's a way of expressing gratitude to God over the blessings that we have received it's a way for us to lean into the kingdom and try to make it as real as possible in our lives and to pass it forward so it becomes real in other people's lives, meeting their needs. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good that we do. So I encourage you to give generously and be a part of what's happening in people's lives through the congregation of UMCWV. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Amen. Thank you, Jenny, again for your beautiful music. Nick, it's been a pleasure to have you with us in worship. I know you said that this is your first time singing to a live audience in a while. So thank you for, for being here. Some of you may have witnessed some of the youth walking out of the building during the offertory. It's not that they were making a mass exodus. Instead, they were getting ready to meet the women of the church as you leave the sanctuary to wish you again a happy Mother's Day, regardless of if you're a mother or not, because you have had a role in helping them grow in their faith, and they have flowers available for you on the table that had the offering offering items. So please stop by and pick up a flower or two um, as our moment and expression of appreciation. And now friends, rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth to love, confident that the God who created you with love, the Christ who meets you with love, and the spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. Oh. 